I think all moms, no matter what stage we're in, have regrets. There are things if we could turn back time, we would do differently. And so I would just say, give yourself grace. We are all doing the best that we can, especially those new moms that feel so overwhelmed. You're doing the best that you can. And even when you think you're not doing a good job, you're doing a better job than you think you are. So give yourself grace. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. Today, I have author Lila Harrison King on the podcast. Lila lives with her husband and three children in the desert of West Texas, where they dodge tumbleweeds, pray for rain, and honestly, Lila, you can have some of ours, (laughs) (laughs) and watch the most amazing sunsets. She created a beautiful book about motherhood titled Love Like a Mama. And Lila is with me today to talk about her book. Lila, welcome. Thank you so much, Joanna. I'm so excited to chat with you today and just to talk about the book and all the things we're going to talk about. I'm excited. Good, good. I really enjoyed being on your podcast. Yes, I enjoyed having you. That was such a great conversation. Oh, good, good, good. So this book and this podcast, it's it's come at a good time. Um, I'm just, we're kind of, do you, you know, it's, 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 it's not even to do with COVID. Okay. I, I'm trying not to say that word much anymore. It's just <laughs> life catching up with you, you know? So before I'm, re- I'm really excited. I, that's what I'm just trying to say. I'm really excited to have this conversation. So before we get into your book, Lila, you come from a big family of seven. And can you tell me about your sons and daughter? Um, I always like opening a book and seeing the dedication. And in yours, you write for Gracie, Samuel, Samuel, and Jeremiah. It has been magical being your mama. Yes. Um, Yeah. So all of our kids were adopted. Our two oldest were adopted from Haiti. And our youngest was a domestic adoption here in the U.S. Um, We did not get any of them as babies. They were all considered older children. Our daughter was six when she came to us. Our middle son was four and our youngest was three. Um, And so they had some, they had endured early childhood trauma. They had endured a lot of uh, malnutrition and they have had a lot to overcome and they have overcome and I admire them so much um, and not in a braggy mom sort of way like even if I wasn't their mother but I knew their story I would admire them they're just amazing people and I feel so darn lucky that I somehow got to be their second mom oh, it's wow. such a gift well, 
I think they're what they've overcome and their accomplishments also has to do with the foundations you and your husband have given them too, you know? Probably. I, yeah, (laughs) I just always feel like, Oh, I don't think we're that great, (laughs) (laughs) but there, there's some pretty great kids. Good, good. So from what I understand, you and your husband spent years involved in the adoption process I can't even imagine the stresses involved with that. Um, You mentioned in your book, dealing with the two countries immigration process, and then under two months, you and your husband become parents to three young Haiti children. Um, Okay, six, four, and three, and two have yet to learn English. And I was just wondering, how do you cope how do you communicate? And like I say, I can't even fathom the challenges that you were facing. Yeah, well, they know English now, but when they came home, yeah, they did not know. So our, our youngest guy, he's actually not Haitian. He okay. was adopted here in the, in the U.S. Right. And uh, so we got him. He was like our complete surprise adoption. We were trying to adopt our two from Haiti, a boy and a girl. And we thought we'll be done. That'll be, you know, our little family. He just kind of, uh, came out of nowhere. (laughs) And so we adopt, well, we didn't adopt him. He came to live with us May 1st. Um, and then June. So we have been in the process waiting on their visas, the other two for almost a year, the U S immigration part was crazy. Um, I think everyone always assumes that it was Haiti that was the holdup. Nope. It was the good old U.S. that took so long. Um, And so we did not know when they would get these visas. We were just waiting. And so when we took Jeremiah in at that point, we didn't know if it was going to be a week, if it was going to be six more months, we had no idea. And so on June 22nd or June 20th, I think it was, we got the email that their visas were ready and we needed to come and get them. And so then I went to get them because my husband needed to stay at home with Jeremiah since he wasn't legally ours. We couldn't take him out of the country. So my mom went with me to Haiti and it was just a quick, we flew in, got them, spent the night and flew out the next day. So it was a matter of 55 days. We had been married for 10 years, no kids. And in 55 days, we had three kids. And, and you're correct that two of them did not speak any English. Um, and it was just, it was complete chaos. Yeah. Um, I stayed home with them. And so I was greatly outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they were these little kids, everything was so new to them. Yeah. You know, they didn't have, like they were flicking the lights on and off and turning water faucets on and off and just all sorts of chaos and stuff going on. So, um, in those first few months with the kids learning English, it took them probably about three or four months, um, Mm -hmm. to pick up English. So we played a lot of charades (laughs) trying to act out what I was trying to explain or what they they would act out what they needed, you know, that kind of thing. I knew a few words in Creole, but certainly not fluent by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, those were crazy days, <laughs> but we all survived. <laughs> wow. You know, it's, it's interesting because I'm just thinking, you know, whether it's, whether you have your child naturally 
or you're adopting, there's challenges either way, right? Either way. Absolutely. Yeah. And a friend of mine made the comment as she would watch me with the kids, like, at church or wherever we would be. And she would say, so many of your emotions are like a a new mother. And I was like, I am a new mother. (laughs) You know, I I didn't give birth and they're not babies, but I'm a new mother here, you know? And so I'm having to figure all of this out as I go. You know, I had years kind of to prepare and I read all of the adoption books, all of the parenting books, everything the experts say, but uh, reality <laughs> is a little different than a book, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, they're, they're each their individual little beings. Yes. You know? Yes. And yes. I don't, I don't think you can, that's going to be one mighty big book. If you think you're going to capture each individual little beings habits or, or exactly. You know, yeah. 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 <laughs> so you, I just saw on so, social media and you and your husband and your daughter must be so proud because your daughter just graduated and congratulations to you and your husband and your daughter. And can you share what that graduation experience was like? Sure. I would love to. Thank you for the congratulations. We're very proud of her. Um, it was really cool for me because I didn't have a graduation. Um, and so to experience it, you know, as a mom, um, I was a little worried cause I'm very sentimental. I'm very tenderhearted. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to ball through this whole thing. And my daughter is not sentimental or tenderhearted. And so I didn't want to embarrass her, you know, and, um, I woke, when we woke up that morning, I did feel a little bit anxious and I cried that morning in my bedroom. Um, just because it went by so fast. Everyone says it's, it goes by fast, but you have no idea until you experience it, how fast (laughs) it goes. Um, and I was just like, oh, this part of my motherhood with her is coming to an end, you know? Um, and I thought, how am I going to hold it together? It's graduation. But the school did such an amazing job with celebrating it. It was not a stuffy, boring graduation. It was like a party the, from the beginning to the end. And so, I mean, there was just so much fun going. I mean, there was confetti and fireworks and air horns. And it was not a quiet graduation by, by any means. And I think just being in that atmosphere and feeling the excitement that was there that night from everyone. I didn't cry. I was like, yay. (laughs) So it was just a night of a lot of excitement and a lot of fun for all of those kids. And, and, you know, for this new part of life that they're entering and the new season of motherhood, it'll be for me. Yeah. It sounds fantastic or it sounded yeah. fantastic like yeah, yes let, let's I'd say let's let's have a party yeah yeah right yeah that's exactly what it was like it was pretty neat so good good now your book is hard like I say it is hardcover it has pansies on the f- cover of it it is beautiful beautiful the like the book design of it um now I remember being a mom at 22 and I don't think I read for seven years after our girls were born okay (laughs) and what I like about this book is how it's created um chapter one 
is titled Mothering the Newborn and Toddler Years. And why I like the format. Oops. I'm sorry, Lila. I You're missed fine. my interference here. He must have seen a cat. Just one moment. <laughs> so Lila, this book, it's hardcover. It has pansies on the cover and it is beautiful. And I remember being a young mom at 22 and I don't think I read for seven years after our girls were born. And what I like is how it's created. And like chapter one is titled Mothering the Newborn and Toddler Years. And why I like the format is because as a new mom, let's say you, ha let's say you have 20 minutes to sit down. You can pick up this book and you can read a portion and then go tend to whatever needs to be tended to. Um, so I wanted to know, did you vision this book to be designed this way? Um, what was your vision for this book and, and how did you see it? So I did envision doing daily entries like that, uh, one for every day of the year. As far as the, um, like breaking it into different seasons of motherhood, like the newborn and toddler years. And then I think there's the middle years. I can't, I can't even remember. And I don't have it here with me to look. Um, that was the book designer's suggestion. And I have to give a shout out to Stephanie um, at Lind Studio, Stephanie McDougall. Um, she is amazing. And that was her suggestion and I loved it. So it's broken up into the different seasons of motherhood. And there's one thought for every day of the year. And she's also responsible for that beautiful cover. Okay. I told her I would love something with florals. And she went and picked flowers from her garden and pressed them and came up with that cover. So she's amazing. But yeah, I just liked the thought of, you know, some some days, some seasons of motherhood are really difficult. And so I liked the idea of just being able to open it up and read a few, hopefully enough to get enough encouragement to get you through whatever difficulty you might be facing, you know? Yeah. So that's why it's written that way. Yeah. Because I thought this would be perfect. Cause I remember, I swear I went on seven years of not reading anything for myself. <laughs> <Okay>. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we get into this book, what inspired you to create it? Create it? Like, what was that? What if I do this? What was that moment? Um, I think it was, it was a combination of two things, probably. One was that first year that the kids were home. While it was so wonderful and there were so many moments that I loved, it was also very lonely um, and no one really that I knew in my life at that time had that same motherhood experience that I did of no children to three children all at once. Yeah. And because of some of their behaviors and trying to learn English, like we would go out in public and they would just humiliate me to no end uh, I felt like we needed to wear t-shirts that said we're new here so that people would give us grace but um and so it felt very lonely and very judgmental yeah and then last year which I know we hate to mention COVID yeah. but seeing 
um, you know, we were all at home and seeing moms struggle with being at home all day, not having the ability to go out with friends or, you know, to go to their gym or whatever it was, trying to balance working from home, helping their kids with online learning. It looked like some moms were drowning and I knew what that felt like from that first year of motherhood. And I didn't want anyone to feel that way. And I thought, how can I encourage other moms? You know, I don't know all the moms in the world and I couldn't go hug all the moms because we have this pandemic going on. Um, And so I wrote a book and I hope that the book gets to the moms that need it and that it feels like a hug from me to you. Well, it does. And as I was reading it, there were so many memories that came back to me, which I had forgotten with our, my husband's and I, our own children. And so I thank you for that, you know, cause it, they, yeah, I thank you for that. Oh, um, you're welcome. Thank you, yeah. Joanna. Yeah. <laughs> so for example, in January and February, those, those two chapters, which are under the title of Mothering the Newborn and Toddler Years. Like you said, each day you have an an inspiring message for each day of the week. And all of them are relatable and they're special. And one that really jumped out at me was on January 7th. It's written, have you ever noticed how your child trusts that you hold all the knowledge and safekeeping in the world right there in your arms. Isn't motherhood beautiful? And this jumped out at me for the opposite reason. Um, So my children are adults and there have been times when I see what's happening in the world and I'll use my own country as an example. It's coming up close to a year in Nova Scotia, a man impersonated a police officer and he murdered and gunned down um, 10 to 13 individuals. And it was awful. And as a mother, I find you raise and you protect your children. And when those situations happen, you know, part of me, I'm like, I wish the world was a better place for all our children. Um, so, you know, and at times I've wanted to say to my, our, my kids, I am sorry, people are like this, you know, just, it's that wanting to nurture and protect. So do you ever feel as a mama that we've disappointed our children because we don't have all the answers or we can't answer those why questions as to why there are some awful people in the world? That's a really difficult question and there's lots of layers to that and I don't think I'm quite as intelligent as you think I am (laughs) Uh, no I I totally get what you're saying and yeah that is it's sad in a lot of ways and it can be very scary if we allow our minds to dwell there yeah um but no, the fact, I mean, my kids know I don't have all the answers. I've never no. pretended to have all the answers. Do I feel like a disappointment? Yeah, probably on some level I do yeah. because I wish I had all the answers. I wish 
that I could make it a, a better world for, for everyone. You know, yeah. there's suffering that goes on every single day. Yeah. Um, and, and I do hate that. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, and I don't mean to sound so simplistic and no. I'm not about to break out into song. All you no. need is love, <laughs> but I do feel like the more love that we can put out into the world, yeah. that it has a ripple effect. Yeah. You know, when we, we love our children, we love our children's friends. You know, when we love a stranger simply by giving them a smile that maybe they needed and we didn't even realize they needed, yeah. the more love we can extend to others, it just, I believe, does have a ripple effect. And I feel like even though there's a lot of suffering and a lot of awful, horrible things that happen, we just have to keep on loving. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's good. And I don't mean to go into a, a down, a downward. It's just, you, and we'll talk about this. Your book is real. Okay. And, and that's why I really liked it as well. You know, it's not like a Carlton cards. Oh, motherhood is sunshine and lollipops and rainbows. <laughs> okay. Come on, let's get real. Right. Okay? It's that, but there's, also, right. there's, there's the weeds too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So now I remember my mother when she was still alive. Oh God. She was 73. And I remember her telling me that she still worried about her daughters. And I can still see her walking down my driveway saying that just shaking her head. And she had that wor a worried look on her face. And she says, you know, there's times I still worry about my girls. And I just thought, oh, my God, you never get a break. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. So this kind of ties into my next topic. And I, I promise this is my last heavy topic, but I was in awe, okay? Um, like I say, your book is real. And in the section in Mothering the Young Adult Years, I was blown away by the author Andrea N. and her bravery and her honesty. And it's under the day, September 11th. She writes about raising her daughter and it was a struggle her daughter was labeled a bad kid, or she was labeled a bad mom. Um, her daughter is in prison and serving a 10 year sentence. And Andrea, if you are listening, I feel your worry. And Andrea writes about the despair, um, her daughter's safe, worrying about her daughter's safety in prison, her life after prison, and what choices she will make. And I guess this, this also ties into what we were saying about, you know, Andrea writes, she doesn't have the answers. She has hope and love. And she writes, this is the heartbreaking reality of some women's motherhood. And I admire Andrea for sharing her story. And I admire you for including it. Um, and I was wondering, how did you and Andrea come together to decide to include her story in your book? Yeah. I actually do not know Andrea. Okay. <laughs> um, it was through social media and, and this might, I might be jumping ahead um, to another question, but um, so as I was writing the book, you know, I knew I wanted one entry for every day. So that's 365 things to say about motherhood, right? Well, I hit a wall as probably all writers do. 
no matter what we're writing. And I was just like, what in the world can I write about motherhood? Like there's only so many things you can say <laughs> before you're repeating yourself, you know? And I just, I put it away for a few days and nothing was coming. And I thought, how am I going to finish this thing? I have nothing else to say. So I just posted on Facebook, hey, and, and my Facebook friends knew I was writing a book about motherhood. Um, and I just said, does anyone care to share what their favorite part of motherhood is or their least favorite part? Or do you know another mother that has a really inspiring story that I could talk to, that kind of thing? I was blown away by how many answers I got on that. And um, so that's where the other women, their contributions came in. I picked out the ones that really resonated with me and asked their permission to use it in the book. I had a, a friend, Andrea and I have a mutual friend. Okay. This mutual friend sent me a message and she said, I have a friend with a heartbreaking story. Um, I can ask her if she would be willing to share it if you're interested. And I was like, sure. And so she sent me that. And I was like, wow. I mean, yeah. it, it was so sad to read that. But she's right. That is, you know, oftentimes when we think of motherhood, we just think of the good. Um, and I can't imagine how scary that is to have a child in prison and to worry about them while they're in prison. And then what is life after prison going to look like for her? Yeah. I remember my own mother. Um, and, and again, I'm still continuing with this heavy topic yeah. here, but you mentioned that shooting in Nova Scotia yeah. when I was, I was out of high school, but not. I was in my early twenties when the Columbine shooting happened here in the U S and that was the first like mass shooting that I can remember. I'm not saying it's the first one that ever happened, but it was the yeah. first one I could remember. And I just remember, you know, we were all like, how could that happen? That was so horrible. And I remember my own mother saying that, yes, it was horrible, but that the boys who did that, they were someone's sons, yeah. that they had a mother you know, and I never thought about it in that way. So, um, in, in a lot of these horrible situations, there's a grieving mother somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so yeah, I totally appreciate Andrea and her courage in allowing me to use that. Um, because I think it's important that we remember not everyone has you know, not everyone has a daughter that's going to graduate with high honors. Like I got to experience, you know, some people have really heavy, difficult things that they're dealing with in their parenthood. And I think our children are growing up in such a different world than what we grew up. So we, right. we can't even use our own experiences as examples. I mean, Right. I didn't have a cell phone. I mean, there exactly. was no social media. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when now, I tell my kids that we yeah. didn't have the internet when I was growing up, they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah, survived. Like, Did you ride around in a horse and a buggy? Well, no, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, okay. So let's lighten it up here. So on the day, January 20th, I love this advice. Okay, uh, it is written, as a mom, 
I have had a multitude of fluids wiped on me. I'm just happy. I didn't know what most of them were. (laughs) That cracked me up. (laughs) So you, I'm wondering, how did you strike a balance between stories such as Andrea's and some of the lighter stories? Like, like, did you take account? Like, I'm just wondering, how did you do it? No, I didn't take account. Um, that's just kind of my personality. Like I can have real deep, serious, heavy discussions, but then I do think we have to balance it out with some yeah. humor. That's yeah. just life, right? Yeah. I mean, if we get caught up in just the sad, heavy stuff, yeah. it just, it's too much, you yeah. know, but then if all we're doing is the silly, funny stuff that can be too much in that direction. And so I think it's important um, in life and in the book to, plus I just wanted it to be a realistic um, illustration of motherhood, you know, and some days of motherhood feel really hard and really heavy and some days are funny and some days it's all of the above in one day, you know, it's moment to moment. And so I wanted the book to reflect that. Good, good, good. And your social media posts are special. Uh, I, I follow you on Instagram. And it was this post you had about your son. And you write, I see her every day in our son's eyes. He also has her nose and her smile. He has her blood pumping through his body. He has her obsession with hot Cheetos. He has my tender heart and sentimental soul. He has my love of animals, my lack of organization, and my creativity. He is hers. He is mine. That's a beautiful post. And there's also a rhythm to it, Lila. There's a, you've got a rhythm to that. And I see you as an inspiration for others. Are, is that your goal, you know? You are so kind, Joanna. I do not see myself as an inspiration at all. A lot of times, and sometimes I think, oh, am I sharing too much? A lot of times my social media posts are just things that are in my head and my heart at that time. And that particular one, I had just spent the day with his birth mom and I hadn't seen her in a few years. And when she came out of her house to get in my car, I was just struck by how much he looks like her. And I knew that, but because I hadn't seen her in a few years, when she walked out, I was like, that's Jeremiah in female form, you know? Um, And so a lot of the stuff, the sappy stuff that I write like that, it's not necessarily meant to be an inspiration. If it is an inspiration for someone, yay. (laughs) Um, But a lot of it is just kind of what's on my heart at, at that time. And I I don't try to share too much surrounding my children's, you know, first families and their experiences, but, and so I try to balance it, but I'm part of that story. Like there's my perspective as well. And um, so, yeah, I do share some of that stuff from time to time. Yeah. Good. Well, (laughs) before we get into the, uh, like I say, your, your book, it brought back memories. And I remember, I have to share this, this memory, because I had forgotten about it. And then I was reading your book. 
And so my oldest must have been around four and we had gone clothes shopping for me. And I can't remember what I was trying on, whether it was like a bodysuit, because there was a time when bodysuits were like, we're, go we're going back to the times right. of Julia Roberts, kinky <laughs> hair, okay? <laughs> and uh, right. <laughs> I remember I was trying on a bodysuit and Ashley, she would have been four, wanted to see, you know, how did it look on mom? So I, I let her in the change room and I remember I was looking at it. <laughs> and I guess because of the cut of the bodysuit, it kind of, how do I want to say it? The the back side of it kind of cut up a bit. Okay. And uh -huh. I just remember yeah. looking at the front and I felt these, my daughter's teeny little hands grab the spotty suit <laughs> behind and yank down. <laughs> right? I just, oh my God. And I remember, I remember turning at her and I said, Ashley, it's supposed to be like that. Right. And I know I didn't end up getting it, but I, I just cracked. Like I say, thank you for that because I had forgotten about right. that. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and again, another part, another favorite part is mothering the middle years. I'm sorry, mothering the middle years, ages nine through 12. And on June 13, Catherine Barber writes, I always appreciate when someone compliments how polite and well-behaved my kids are because they are seldom that way for me. And I remember going out somewhere and there would be, you know, arguments and squabbles and it's just like a whole chaos, just like getting to the, the car, you know? And then we'd arrive at a big family dinner and I'm gonna say this and my demon children were now angels, okay? <laughs> and I swear that they have referred to me as the demon mother, okay, <laughs> right? So, um, and I'm just wondering, have you had similar experiences where it's just all chaos and then you arrive where you're at and it's like, hum. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did not have those experiences. <laughs> when, like I said, when the kids first came home, probably that whole first year, we were just like a three ring circus wherever we went. Because I don't think they understood, you know, there's people watching and you act a certain way in public and because we, every, like I said, everything was new. And we're just yeah. trying to survive at this point. And so, yeah, they, the way they acted at home was the way they acted out in public. I do remember though, my boys, especially, they were both very loud, very, they would walk into a room and just take it over, you know? Yeah. Um, and so both of them, my youngest would get in trouble at daycare my middle son would get in trouble at kindergarten. And this was like a daily occurrence. I would go to pick him up and here's everything they did wrong, you know? And I was like, oh, great. Um, so I do remember the first time I got a positive report, like, oh, he was so good today. He did this. And I was like, my child, like you haven't mixed him up with someone else. This is my kid you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then they were just always, once we worked through a lot of stuff, they were always just really good wherever we went and they were good at home. So yeah. I can't, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, you know, and each child is different because I think of our two daughters and same parents, but just two different girls yes. and, you know, and <laughs> with, the oldest 
she'd go up to her room, do her homework. It didn't matter if the music was playing loud. She got good grades and I didn't care, right? Like if, if, if listening to whoever, you know, Christina Aguilera at a certain level means that she studied and did good, got good grades, let Christina Aguilera rip, right? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> um, the second daughter, Kara, you know, she has a good heart and, you know, and is very independent and very independent. And then I remember, though, at that time in her life, school school was a social activity right school mm -hmm. wasn't school as a homework school was the, let's think let's just like the socials at school right you know and then so then i would be getting um you know i would get a few i got a few phone calls from the school while at work you know so yeah but knock on wood they're safe they're healthy they're being responsible adults and they're doing well you know so right yeah, I think that's that's what every parent hopes for, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I'd like to get into the process of creating your book. Um, you have the idea. And so you mentioned this a little bit, you on right. social media, how did you get con contributors? Um, were they personal friends? Or it sounds like you said you did put a call out on social media. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. And a lot of them were personal friends. There's a few in there that were um, people on Instagram that I followed and I just reached out to them because I, I would, um, there were two in particular, or maybe three, I can't remember. I read just one of their captions one day and I was like, oh, that would be perfect for my book. And so they didn't have to do any additional writing. I just reached out and said, could I explain what I was doing? Could I possibly use this in my book? And all three of them gave me permission. So I don't know them, um, but they allowed me to use their words. And then there were a few, like I mentioned, that we had a mutual friend and they would put me in contact um, with them. And then the rest were either family or close friends. So yeah, there's there's an assortment in there. <laughs> well, that's good, good. Now, Love Like a Mama, I think it's part of a bigger message and you have your own podcast, Love Like a Mama. So did you, when you started writing this, did you think you would start a podcast because in a way I think you're creating a movement like did you think oh. it, it would grow into a into a podcast and no I never and I had no idea how you did a podcast like okay. you know I had no idea how any of it worked so I my books came out in the first part of November and in December I thought I'm gonna do a podcast <laughs> because I am impulsive like that, I guess. Me too. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of the book, honestly, was the other mothers that contributed, was hearing, I love people's stories. I love to hear people's perspectives and experiences and stories and even their opinions, even if I don't agree with their opinion. I just love hearing other people's ideas. And so that was my favorite part of the book was hearing from other women. And I thought I could still do that 
and just do a weekly podcast interviewing a different mom each week. And I decided I was going to start it up in January. And I did. I had to do some quick research of, you know, after you, you know, record it, then what do you do? Like, how do you get it out there? You know, fortunately, I have someone younger than me helping me (laughs) with this. Um, But yeah, and I love those interviews. I love, I've met, again, women that I didn't know. Um, and we've had some great conversations and I'm kind of proud of myself, patting myself on the back that I've been able to consistently do one episode a week because that was my goal. And I wanted to do one episode a week for a year after this year. I mean, I'll go through the end of December. I don't know if I will continue with it. Um, but for now I sure am enjoying it. Good, 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 good. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I, I know what you mean. I was thinking, okay, I'll start a podcast. And I thought, I am one of those people who I will just, I'll jump into something. Right. And, then, and, then, and then I'm sw- I'm swimming. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm treading water. Okay? And, uh, the more I read, I, I remember telling myself, okay, you are going to do this differently. You are going to research before you start your podcast. And the more research I did, the more they said, just started and I'm like okay this has got to be for me then okay let's do this you know and like you said it's like okay now how do I get this out there right you know yeah yeah I think there's some personalities and I think I'm this way and maybe you're this way if you do too much thinking and too much research you talk yourself out of it yeah but if you just jump in and go with it and do the best you can it usually has some pretty great surprises yeah yeah. And, and I have, I've had so many great moments, you know, so yeah. yeah. So with interviewing different mamas on your podcast, have you been surprised by any one mama's answer? Um, and and I, I'm not meaning in a negative way. Has anyone right. mama just surprised you? I'm always surprised by, so the question that I always ask, as you know, that, that, that I end with is how do you love like a mama? And I'm always surprised by the different array of answers. I don't think anyone has ever answered that question the same as someone else, which I love because again, it shows our different perspectives, our different experiences. You know, motherhood is very similar in a lot of ways, right? That we all have similar feelings and frustrations and all of those things. But then our motherhood journeys are also so personal and so individual. And the way that the moms answer that question really illustrate how personal our motherhood is for each of us. Because like I said, there's never been anyone that has answered it the same way as someone else. And I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. And every, everyone that answers it, it, they've given an amazing answer every single time. I'm like, wow, that's really great. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. the reason why I think your podcast is important is because on Instagram, I know a number of young moms and it's not, it's not a photo. Motherhood is more hold on. I got I want to make sure I say this right. You, you talk about, and you interview moms who talk about real, I don't want to say the word issues, but real 
issues, problems, the good, the not so good. And, you know, I sometimes feel that moms get, you know, the the photo opportunities, the the gender reveal parties, the, the you know, all the, the photos on, on Instagram. And I'm just like, no, there's, there's more, there's more. And, you know, I know of a few moms who have suffered postpartum depression and it's nothing to be ashamed about, but it's right. like, nobody wants to talk about it, you know, because right. how we may be judged. So that's my long answer to why I think your podcast is important. Okay. Oh, well, thank you, Joanna. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There's difficult stuff in motherhood and no one wants to talk about it. And I think we do one another a disservice when we don't talk about those things. And then we definitely are doing a disservice to young mothers who go into this thinking, oh, it's going to be like you say, everything that's on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some moments are like that, but a lot of them are not. And I think too, to talk about the different seasons of motherhood and the different struggles with motherhood. And I know that we all want to protect our children's privacy. So I won't divulge details, but I currently am in a new season to me of motherhood as this past year, I've had a child that has really been struggling with some mental health issues and it's been terrifying. I mean, this child didn't threaten suicide but did say, I don't have the will to live. I don't care if I die. That's terrifying. And that's heartbreaking as a mother. And I have felt alone in that because number one, I feel like I can't divulge details to protect this child's privacy. But number two, I don't hear moms talking about this. You know, is there another mom out there dealing with this? Is there another mom crying herself to sleep at night? Is there another mom pleading to God that her child will get better, you know, and, and I will say we have been doing therapy and things are getting so much better. We're in a much better place, but we need to be real and we need to have these discussions with one another so that we don't feel isolated. And if that's all it is, like, I know someone else may not have the answer to my child's mental health struggles, but just the fact to know I'm not the only mom dealing with this, that alone is a comfort, you know? So I think, yeah, we just need to, to be as honest as we can be with one, with one another. Motherhood is great, but it's really hard too. And coming up on the podcast, I have, uh, she's a creative, she's an artist and we, her art came about because of her going through postpartum depression and she's very real. And I, you know, I I really appreciate the bravery because, you know, as soon as, sometimes I feel as soon as you say struggling or uh, mental health, or if you say postpartum, or if you say depression, it's almost like nobody wants to talk about it. And there's this shame attached to it and I'm thinking get rid of that shame you know this is real we need to talk about it yeah exactly yes yeah so I want to know what's your greatest satisfaction being with your book or on your podcast or both 
I think just the fact that I did it. Good. You know, I've always wanted to be a writer and there are more things that I'm going to write, but the fact of just having the idea and just going for it, like we talked about, right. And knowing that, you know what, if I mess up and fall flat on my face, I still did it. There's still a book out there with my name on it and my thoughts inside it. Um, And I'm so proud of that. I really am. And the same thing with the podcast that I just went for it and I did it and I didn't overthink it. And the relationships, the friendships that I have made during the process are far more valuable than any number of books I might sell or any number of downloads the podcast might have. I have been able to connect with some really amazing women. And I feel like I have all these friends now all over the world, you know, well, not all over the world. I'm not trying to sound greater than I am. Let's say the U S and Canada, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, there's just all of these amazing women that I've been able to meet online and connect with. And that I really do count as my friends and you're one of them, Joanna. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you too, Lila. I was so <laughs> glad when you you said you'd, you'd come on. And like I said, I started reading your book and I, I told my spouse, I said, I am excited about talking about her book, you know, because <laughs> it is real and it's, it's beautiful. Like someone who loves book design, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, this is nice, you know, <laughs> right? Didn't so. she do such a great job? I'm just so proud of Stephanie. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what's next you with you don't have to give away too much but you you, you got things on going I, I could imagine right um what's next I mean obviously there's always stuff going on with the kids and all of that um and we're contemplating a move you know moving our family just to another town um but as far as like love like a mama I don't know if there's anything next for Love Like a Mama. I have certain goals for the book itself that I want to reach. And like I said, for the podcast, I'm going to continue through the end of the year and then we'll see. Um, But there's definitely some books I've got brewing in my mind. Um, They're going to be, there's two different ones and I'm trying to decide which one to start on. Uh, They'll they'll both be works of fiction. So I'm currently trying to learn how to write fiction because if I'm going to write it, I want it to be well-written and, you know, just learning how to develop the plot and the characters and all of that. So one, I mean, this is the idea. We'll see how it pans out. One is all fiction is based loosely on truth, right? (laughs) So one is kind of based on the, it'll just be about a family. And like you mentioned, I grew up in a big family and I'm trying to decide, I don't think I want seven kids in this family. That's a lot of characters. (laughs) Plus, I don't want people that know us in real life to read it and be like, oh, that's the Harrison family, you know, Um, but it will be based on the family that I grew up in and our relationships. And our dad was such a strong personality and how our family dynamics have kind of changed since he passed he passed away five years ago and so I'm thinking of a story similar to ours it won't be ours but 
and, and kind of like, I don't know if you ever watched the show Parenthood. That was yeah. one of my favorite shows and how, so you had the parents, but then you had each of the children and their family stories intertwined kind of along those lines. I mean, it's not going to be exactly like that, but kind of along those lines. So I'm excited about that. And then I also have a story I'm wanting to write, um, again, fiction based on truth where you have a chapter that it's about two women. One is a birth mother and one is the adoptive mother of that same child. And so you would have a chapter written from the birth mother's perspective. And then the next chapter is the adoptive mother and throughout the book that way, just going back and forth between the two women and their relationship. Um, I think that would be a really neat book. So th those are my two story ideas. I haven't started writing either one. Okay. Well, so, Lila, nobody steal my ideas. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to say, I'd love to have you back when, when Aww. either of those books get published. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you. you are a writer. I mean, that, that, those sentences I read, like I said, there's a rhythm to it. Oh, thank you. You know, from your Instagram post. And if with myself writing fiction, I have found what's helped me is, um, being part of, let's say, a writing group. Mm -hmm. um, I have had the same critique partner for the last 20 years. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it's, it's someone who you trust, okay? Mm -hmm. And she and I both go into critique, Carol Ann. I've mentioned her many times with the mindset of, okay, these are my suggestions on, your, on this scene. Um, my name is not on this book. It's your name. So if you want to use it, go for it. If it inspires you to do write something better, excellent. Like that's always the ultimate goal, but it always rests on that author. You know what she just, she decides to do with that work, right. To yeah, do that yeah. suggestion. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, well, Lila, is there anything you'd like to share and where can people find you on the socials? Yeah. So on Instagram, I am love like a mama. And then there's an underscore after mama. And then I also have a Facebook page. I'm not quite as active on Facebook as I am Instagram, but if, uh, you want to find me on Facebook, I have a Facebook page that's love like a mama and yeah that's where I'm at. And I don't think there's anything else to add that I can think of anyway. Do you have a blog or a website? I do have a website and it has a blog that I post on sporadically. Okay. <laughs> um, but the website is just my name. It's Lila Harrison King.com. Okay. So final question, Lila. First, thank you for keeping your book real and the, the happy moments, the sad moments, the funny moments. Is there one message you would like to get across to new moms? Um, I, I don't want to say old moms, but older moms and grandmas. What, if there's one message you could, t you could put out there, what would it be? I think all moms, no matter what stage we're in, have regrets. There are things if we could turn back time, we would do differently. 
And so I would just say, give yourself grace. We are all doing the best that we can, especially those new moms that feel so overwhelmed. You're doing the best that you can. And even when you think you're not doing a good job, you're doing a better job than you think you are. So give yourself grace. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I can, I can, I can think of my own examples too. Yeah. Of yeah. I need to give myself some grace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lila, thank you. Thank you for, you coming. are so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it, Joanna. Good, good. Okay. Bye, Lila. Bye.